0: feet fried Sauron on here i'm just saying that it took me a lot longer than planned to edit this episode just because it was 15 minutes long and also like i think doing assignments just turns your brain into a vegetable and thinking with a vegetable while editing is not exactly productive which is why this is a little later than planned but it's here now i hope you enjoy it and uh, abhijit is an extremely extremely um cooperative guest it was very easy talking to him which is sort of saved me the trouble because i'm awkward in some conversations usually and um yeah i hope you enjoy this episode it's all about comic books it's mostly about angry maushi and where that comes from if you haven't checked it out there's links in the description for it but i'm not saying that you need to know about it this is also a good place to come to know about angry maushi if you didn't know about it um so yeah i'm just gonna cue the fucking There he is. That's great. he be re- he'll be recording today. Awesome. He is, um, a robot that does not care about my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, today we have with us, Abhi, Abhi, Abhijit Kinney, for some reason, I always mess up your name.
1: It is, such an easy name. <laughs> it is a, a name, but then people always somehow end up calling me Abhishek for some reason. Uh, I've, I've heard people calling me Abhishek more than what they you know, they've called out my real name. <laughs> And they've messed up my last name big time, in spite of the fact Kineen. that it's just yeah, it's just four alphabets. That's it. But the kind of combinations I've heard and I have read uh, myself being addressed have been hilarious. Right from my school uh, school days, Kenny, Kini, Kuri, Kuri. Can you believe that? K-U-R-I. Uh, wow. K-E-N-N-Y. So it's like a Kenny G. <laughs> uh, all the combinations <laughs> they've just added more vowels and more alphabets into it. I'm like, how difficult is K-I-N-I? But no, 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 no. Uh, that reminds me of like a,
0: a time a friend of mine. I forgot her name. It's been a while. She. It's a very easy name. I think it's um Adi or Aditi, either one. Okay. And she was named Bindi in like a paper. Like okay. her name was written how? Bindi. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know... The, the funniest uh, the funniest uh, mutation of name, at least the others got the A and K right, right? Like Abhishek, Kuri, still probably is in the distant family of Abhijit Kini somewhere. The weirdest name that I've seen myself, you know, being ad- addressed uh, with was one courier package I received once. And it literally, I kid you not, it literally read out, <laughs> Mamuji Luni. <laughs> M-A-M-U-J-E-E, they at least got the double E right in my name, and L-U-N-I, I'm like, who is this? How? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea who would, I mean, who typed out that uh, small little, uh, you know, address shit. Mamuji Looney, that was a joke in my family for a long, long time. And obviously, with a name like that,
0: Brilliant. Oh, yeah. by the way, uh, we're six minutes in with tangents, which is great. Best way to start a <laughs> podcast. Um, it's listed as an educational podcast, by the way. I have no idea what I'm Oh, doing. really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so today we're talking to Abhijit, who is a comic book creator. Is that a label you identify with? Yes. Yes. I can say
1: that. I can say that. Yeah.
0: And uh, he's been working in comic books since I was seven years old. And he has created one of my favorite books to come out of the... Ind- Indian indie scene of comic books called Angry Maushi, And I just wanted to talk to him about it. Uh, beyond awesome. which, we'll also like take tangents off of it and sort of explore the broader themes uh, in yes. the thing. So yes. one of the things I really like to do is put guests on the spot and let them introduce themselves. Because I always <laughs> get one detail of their life wrong, which is <laughs> ho- like horribly wrong. Like Abhijeet becomes a fumble of all, star- all names that start with Abhi. <laughs> <laughs> so, I <Abhini>, mean <laughs>
1: There you, you go. <laughs> you can just call me Kini, that's fine. Let's leave okay. out the eight letter word.
0: <laughs> okay. Kini, you can introduce yourself to uh, the audience.
1: Yeah. Um so I have been uh, in the comics domain since 2004 since I have been drawing for Tinkle, that's how long it's been. Um uh, I have been uh If I may use the word professional illustrator, meaning, you know, published in magazines and newspapers. I started way back in 1999, 2000, when I was in my junior college. And uh, comics, cartoons, um, animation, um, you know, and humor is something that I, uh, you know, love, you know, creating content for and content based on. And uh, which is how I think, um, you know, the Comic Con scene has been something that I have really uh, been thankful for, you know, um, and that's where I get to meet a lot of my readers, um, talk about comics, and basically, uh, yeah, I mean, just kind of hang out and uh, chill talking about the panels and the speech bubbles. So that's that's me, um, cartoonist at core and comic creator by profession, if I may call it that
0: it's super nice that you led into my first point of discussion and anyway which is comic con mm-hmm. uh, because i got angry maushi and met you at the same time at 2016 pune comic con pune comic con yes uh, yeah. and i was a college student at the time and i remember i i think somebody was writing an article about this by the way you googlers please don't dox me on the basis of what i'm about to say uh, i bought a mona, mona lisa themed deadpool yeah. from you <laughs> Like, yeah. Which was uh, the best 100 <laughs> rupees I'd spent that year. Easily. <laughs> and uh, along with that... Yeah, we I, do these... Uh, yeah, go ahead.
1: You know, we do yeah. these crazy fan art only for comic cons and that's only where you find it at the stall. And I think you picked it up there when we had it there.
0: Yeah. yeah. And um, then I picked up Angry Moushi that year because it just looked <laughs> interesting. And one of the things I really like about doing a podcast with artists is that I usually end up picking up the art that they have the most fun talking about. Because I heard your podcast with Books and Beyond. And by the way, this is a tangent I know, but Books and Beyond, that's a sneaky move, putting a link to your podcast within the Goodreads comment section for the book. That's how I found you. So whoever your marketing team is, it's working. They're doing a good job and you better give them a bonus this year, this month. Um, so
1: I really don't I know even... who did that, but thank you, whoever did that. <laughs>
0: So I remember you said that angry Moushi was by far at the time, at least your favorite yeah. character to draw and sort of, yeah. um, yeah. explore. Yes. Uh, do you want to expand as to why that was like, why is it that angry Moushi in particular comes to you as like a unique character or your go-to favorite character mm-hmm. that you've
1: drawn? See, I think, uh, whatever I create, you uh, know, all the independent comics that I create, uh, is are based on real people, real incidents, people around us. Uh, so, uh, you know, I wanted to create something based on Mumbai, you know, something that represents Mumbai. Uh, what would it be? So, you know, uh, it's such a such a mix of various kinds of people. But there's always that angry woman you will find maybe at the market or maybe on the, in the local trains. Uh, a fisherwoman, whoever it might be. And there's an entire thing in Mumbai, in Maharashtra, like, you know, So, maushi and angry put together, kind of summed up the Mumbai theme for me, at least the time I was creating uh, the character. So uh, the first Mumbai Comic Con is where we, you know, me and my wife, we uh, decided we'll do some prints with that face. And that's it. We'll just put it out there, you know, uh, as a set of posters and posters. People asked, oh, who is Angry Maushi? Is this is this a character story you have? Is there, a, is there a, a theme behind it? And I said, that's a good idea. You know, why don't I make a comic on this? and which is how the next the following uh, comic con the next year we launched the first uh, angry Moushi issue and people i mean we, we got a great response people said you know kind of uh, uh, resonates with uh, the kind of socio political scene it's a it's a satire uh, basically so for me she is a superheroine and i call her a vigil auntie uh you know because uh, she she she's fighting crime uh she she has her way with uh, katanas guns you know pure fists and uh, at the end of the day she's wearing a nawari sari she can be any woman on the street and uh, goes you know goes great with that saying which is hell hath no fury like a woman scorned which is what she's based on so i love this character and i think there's so much you can talk about When it comes to Mumbai or even India, the kind of things that we face, uh, the political scenario, the social scenario. So I think she is a woman for all seasons, at least uh, in in that um, department. So I love drawing her. And uh, whenever people, you know, ask me for a little doodle on the book, it's always Angry Moushi that I would draw. And I get some crazy commissions also from people at Comic-Con to draw Angry Moushi, probably beating up the Hulk or something like that. So... (laughs) so i'm like why not um so it's it's always fun you know showing like a worry lad lady holding a you know set of katana blades you know uh, something as contrasting as that which is why i love drawing angry Maoshi. Uh
0: that's one thing that i really liked about how you started your explanation about angry maushi is that it's a character that explains mumbai and that's yeah. one of the first thoughts that i had about this comic book is that the moment i opened it the moment i saw the first page where you're right. introducing the premise of uh, vigilantes being outlawed yeah uh, it sort of instantly reminded me of jani bidoyaro sure which sure. is an extremely mumbai movie and of course sure. it, it very specifically talks about the crumbling infrastructure of mumbai um yeah which was made in 1984. And I'd just like the audience to know that as of 2018 and 2019, uh, public infrastructure related deaths in Mumbai are an yearly thing. Hmm, So this is a city that's, that suffers the brunt of the uh, corruption of its politicians quite a lot. That's right. And I instantly knew that before I even turn the next page that the villain is going to be a minister and (laughs) yes, what I really loved about the second page is that the second page knew that I knew that it's going to be a minister <laughs> as well.
1: <laughs> and I, this is probably the best uh, the best explanation, the best way of defining how the story has flowed so far. Uh, uh-huh. I, I love it. So please go on.
0: <laughs> and then I sort of saw the second page and I instantly became clear to me that this is um, a fairly toothless comic, in the sense, it's like, but that's not to say that it's harmless. It has fangs instead. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, <laughs>
0: and the reason I say that is because um, I'm pretty sure this is a very popular book. And I know that the number 1984 is going to be haunting the listeners dreams at this point, because I said the third time in a span of five minutes, but in the 1984 book, is written as such that authoritarianism is, can, is uh, called out and no part of the political spectrum can directly claim it. And I feel the same way about this comic book. And the fact that it doesn't take itself seriously is sort of clear on the second panel, where um, Raki Swant is uh, one of your heroes <laughs> who has no powers. And um, what's amazing to me, eight years after the publication of this, she's still doing the same thing. Somehow. She is,
1: yep, <laughs> she's going strong, and now she's she's on Insta, which means she's reaching out to even more people to spread her superpowers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the second one that was my favorite is batsman who, um, spreads his crotch. It's a, it's one masculine power. I do like. that. <laughs> <laughs> and then moving on, of course, it goes to be a, to a very. By the numbers plot, but it's which is hilariously written, which takes me to the third way. Um, I saw this that it's a very Deadpool ish comic book in the wow, sense you give, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I remember you at some point you said that she's getting sugar and water for her powers, yeah. and yeah. then you dismissed it because you have only 20 pages to explain. Self publishing is a bitch,
1: <laughs> breaking the fourth wall in, in that sense, yes. Uh, I, I love that, you know. Why should a comic take itself so seriously when it is about being self-aware, when it's about being uh, when it's about uh, uh, spoofing everything around you. Let us spoof itself, you know, right right there. So, so let it not take it too seriously. But at the same time, kind of put the message out there that, you know, this is what it stands for. Um, and seriously, self-publishing is a very, very uh, difficult thing to do and that was one of my earliest self published comics so getting the page number of pages right you know how much am i spending to print a 16 20 page uh, for color job etc cetera, etc cetera. and i was like man i'm seeing my money fly right now fly away that is uh, <laughs> so i had to make a joke to kind of otherwise you know i don't want crit- you know reader to criticize and saying arey but it was rushed later on I don't know what the writer just thought. He just rushed through the ending. So I just put it out there. Yeah, you know what? I'm just going to write this down in the captions and the narration of the book. Yeah, that's how it works. Which is why it has been rushed in the end. So that people get it. People know what I, what kind of a thought process I have while making it. And uh, which is why I think uh, people um, didn't expect that fourth wall, whatever. But it was not like something that I wanted to do always. It, just happened while I was writing this. I don't know. Little, small little snippets, small, small little anecdotes which kind of get people to think, ah, you know what? It's more self aware than I think, I, it, you know, it is. Uh,
0: one of the things that I wanted to ask about is, of course, it sort of goes back to, um, you know, the angry Maushi is the everyday citizen who's just lost their temper.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, you yeah. already explained the uh, the very vernacular that it comes from. When it comes to yeah. characters, were there specific characters that you took inspiration from to create Angry Maushi? Mm. Like, for example, uh, this is completely my personal interpretation. Amitabh Bachchan, the angry young man right. uh, during the 70s was a right. tough time for India. And that's why he sort of channeled right. the anger vicariously for a lot sure. of the population. Sure. So sure. Was, there, was, was there a similar... Um, character that you saw back to who you uh, channeled your anger through and like sort of mirrored it via? Uh,
1: not necessarily. I think uh, this. she isn't based on any particular character. She's just like a you know, an average everyday Indian woman in a green sari. That's it. I didn't base her on anything. But whatever she does and goes through is based on what's happening around us. Uh, and hey, this was in 2012. So 2012 to 2014 is when we launched the three issues which forms what I call the Guns, Fists and Blades trilogy. I love calling it that because it sounds heavier when I say trilogy. Oh my god. It's just three indie books put together. But then we sell these uh, collected volumes um, a lot. And it sells better. People people love collecting the collected volumes uh, more because they get the entire story arc. Um, So that period saw a lot of political... um, things happening around, you know, uh, especially with the uh, say no to corruption, and these protests that happened, and then there were some very weird political situations that came up, then there was a little incident where they started digging, uh, 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 you know, a compound of a temple saying there's gold underneath, that was in Unao. so, I connected that with they're actually digging deeper. There was no gold search. There was, they were actually digging deeper to go and talk to the devil himself. Uh, that was in the second volume, the second issue of, of the comic. So, you know, these things I kind of kept seeing and I thought, you know, if I have to talk about it through one person, it has to be Angry Maushi. She can get away with it. She's not preachy. She's not one of those boy scout or girl scout characters. which always says, Look, children, how it work? She's not that. She's the kind who will show things as it is and she will probably be like your id ego. You know, you, you want to do something, you'll do it. There are times you say, you know what, Ari, I wanted I wanted to slap that guy one smart because you know he was saying like this or misbehaving. We don't do that. She does it. And I think that the creator the, the character design is not based on anyone specifically, but everything she goes through is completely based on whatever is around us. So, so that is how I would put it.
0: Uh, I just want to point out for anybody who's not from the country that 2012 to 2014 was a very turbulent time in, um, in Indian history, especially because it, we were going through a very strong media fatigue of corruption scams. Yeah. Yeah. I think what didn't wear off is, of course, uh, this is a little while later. Of course, 2012 is a long time after it, but still um uh, the number of zeros during the 2g spectrum scam ha- were still fresh in my memory at the time <laughs> and that that is that is to say this was before the 2014 election and the government <laughs> government change and then the government dissent that has risen up in 2019 yeah so uh, what i really like about this is that it's uh, this comic book sort of survived the test of criticism over an entire government shift, but the problems it addresses are still the same.
1: Yes. And that is what I'm realizing even now, because I thought after a while that this comic may not age well, because people would say, Hey, this, this happened back in 12. No, what would I know about it right now? But, you know, politics and governments are something that they are fairly consistent in being what they are. That is giving fodder to creators, you know, consistently doing something to give us all fodder. I may be making comics, you may be making memes and podcasts. Of course we did the whole session on memes that day and we had some great conversations there. Uh, no, so what I am saying was there was always something that uh, you know, these politicians would uh, you know, give us. And that's what I'm always thankful for because there's always some content or the other you can make fun of and uh, uh, you, know, you can make uh, some creation, some kind of uh, uh, storyline out of. And that's exactly what has happened. So the latest Angry mauchi issue that I came out, uh, uh, you know, which was episode four, if I may call it that, was called Citizen Pain, uh, which I launched earlier this year in Ahmedabad, at the Ahmedabad Comic Con. And uh, that has to do a lot with certain things that were happening in our country at that time of the year, where certain citizenship things were brought up and certain uh, rules and... Uh, regulations were being protested against and uh, you know you know what I'm talking about so I named it Citizen Pain and it had to do with this so earlier, my earlier three comics people said that oh is this a very political one sided political uh, angle you're taking are you supporting one political party and going against the other I'm like no I'm just presenting things as they are so the same people now are saying that oh now you're completely against this government as well my point is, I am not against or pro anything. I, my job as a cartoonist and comics creator, is to show things the way they are, and that's how I think a spoof or a satire can be used very effectively to to make people more aware. Mm-hmm. Like and and, and, and the fun, and the fun part was that comic was launched in <laughs> uh For people
0: who don't know, that's the. Um... Capital of the homes is that a, no financial capital of the home state of um, our dear prime minister who cares? Yes. yes. Cares yes. only for the money, not for the RTI. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Somehow he got away with. I'm sorry. I, I'm not gonna do a rant on RTI yeah, again. We're not going there. We're not going there now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, the other thing I wanted to talk about is that. One of the things that you mentioned on the other podcast that I heard you on and even like your general uh, public appearances is that in India, there's still a notion that does not accept comic books as a medium for the adults.
1: Yeah, that unfortunately is there.
0: And while right now that has changed a, a, a certain amount, I'm not saying that it's still in the mainstream or anything, given like the popularity of Marvel movies. Um i don't know if you're aware of rakesh khanna's work on uh, tamilian pulp fiction
1: uh blast right
0: yeah 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 yeah
1: yeah, yeah of course
0: uh, like stuff like that has come out and i i what really gives me joy is that it survived yeah even it's at least afloat uh, i don't know what yeah like the i think the critical response was great i don't know anything else about its financial response but how do you How have you dealt with the fact that your work was being sidelined given that its genre itself was not comprehended by a larger amount of public?
1: Uh, See, I think, uh, you know, a lot lot has to do with Comic-Cons starting off in India, first of all. Uh, It got people more curious about what's happening on the comic scene. Uh, People came out and saw that there's content for an older audience as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. Which is why even I and and the other guys, you know, uh, who are participating artists at Comic-Cons, we can come out with mature content. Of course, we have to put a disclaimer, which I have been putting right from the start. Uh, Just like your explicit content uh, sticker on the, uh, you know, hip-hop CDs or whatever, we do put a little mature audience uh, disclaimer at the bottom. Now, what happens is, for me at least, uh, people know my work more from the Tinkle uh, side of things. Mm -hmm. So they know me more as a, oh, uh, you know, here's a guy who draws for a children's magazine, Mm -hmm. which I love doing, by the way. I mean, I love the content we do in Tinkle. But me personally, I have some stories that I want to talk about on my own, which uh, probably might cater to 16 plus or an 18 plus audience. Because of Comic Cons and because of a platform that they're giving us, you know, uh, we get the confidence, uh, you know, to uh, come out with that kind of content and present it to people. Uh, About commercial successes, I can't say much because, you know, just selling comics may not earn you the bread and butter, uh, you know, you you might need for an everyday survival. What it does is it adds a lot of uh, weightage to your showcase and uh, a lot of uh, credibility to what kind of projects you can take and what kind of stories you can tell. Uh, So I'm not aware of, you know, the other creators who are coming up with uh, you know and a, a more mature uh, storyline or a more mature uh, line of content but me i would always want uh, satire and socio-political topics to be talked about and that has to be uh there's, there's always been a void there in that scenario we've had superheroes we've had mythology we've had uh, filmy bollywood uh, you know spin offs etc etc but socio-political is something that people have not really gone too much into in comics. Mm -hmm. So which is why I thought, you know, let me try this out. It worked and uh, you know, at least for me and my comics right now, it has worked very well. Uh, So in whatever small circulation or whatever little uh, fan base we have, uh, my my whole aim would be to keep churning out more content for them. Uh, However, largely India still considers comics to be um, for kids and which is why sometimes you also see uh, in bookshops, retail bookshops which are still around I mean most of them are shut down uh, they'll just have all their graphic novels and comics mixed up they'll probably have a watchman right next to a <laughs> like a Disney <laughs> children's uh, you know comic or something because hey comics right so yeah. if, it's, if it's in panels and speech bubble bubbles it has to talk to an 8 year old that's not the case. Um, so I think, uh, I think that has to change. It's gradually changing. I, I mm-hmm. do see, I do see uh, at Comic-Cons, the parents who get their kids along get very curious to see, you know, acha uh, what is this comic about? Why does it have a mature yay on the disclaimer? Oh, is it like this? Is it like that? And they pick it up. That's how awareness builds up. And I think that's a good thing that's happening. So it was all about exposure. Uh, mm-hmm. People knowing more about the medium, the movies, of course. You know, Marvel, DC movies. They've they've had their. I mean, I don't know who they want to cater to. Is it only kids? Is it the adults? I don't know, because everyone seems to be having fun, uh, watching them. But I personally would say that there's so much more than superheroes. So there's this there's enough stuff for all age groups out there. And the mm-hmm. Western graphic novel scene, though. Has so much um, adult material that I must I must say that whatever I've been seeing off late, you know, all the the way DC has gone. DC has always been the dark, the darker yeah. of the two. Uh, but even Marvel, they've had some really dark storylines, uh, you know, uh, aimed at older like like teens and like twenty somethings and all. So gradually, I think that age group is um, they're they're targeting an older age group gradually. And I think it's time that people realize that there's something for everyone. And it's not just like for kids that comics are only for kids. That's a very wrong notion. I really hope that that message catches up very soon with everyone.
0: Well, just on the front of the message being caught on uh, with everyone, I have a very specific question regarding influence of like angry Moushi or like the way you do content in general now. Sure. Um, So when I was a kid, one of the things that my brother bragged about is uh, catching the Batman animated series in when it was being aired. Yes. Doordarshan. Yeah. And one of the things that really hit me about the Batman animated series is that as opposed to the toothless Batman that we got, who was just a brooding gentleman beating up criminals in night, it was uh, an actual animated show that was not afraid of hitting kids yeah. with complex philosophy.
1: Yep, yep, Yep. yep. Like,
0: Going back to the show as um, an adult, it appears that Bruce Wayne is a genuinely broken and in some places psychotic man who yes. might not be on the right end of things in all areas. Correct. Correct. And was that an influence that you had, Batman in specific, or if there's anything else that you want to list?
1: No, I think my earliest... Uh... You know, my earliest favourites in comics for some reason I mean favourites, okay. I was I had all I still have my comics from my childhood days. But I loved Green Lantern for some reason, maybe because there was a ring and they could form anything out of their willpower, etc. etc. But Batman, uh the single issues that we used to of course graphic novels so ni, it was always these single issues we used to find at bookshops or adiwalas Um I I kind of noticed the way uh he was in the comics and then came the the 1960s tv show which was rerun on star tv when we uh, in the mid 90s mm-hmm. uh the adam west one and i used to be like what is happening here why is batman so happy why i mean even in the 80s when i was reading the batman comics he was you know he had dark themes but the Batman TV show from the 60s was hilarious, you know. And uh, I was wondering, why, mm. why did they do that? And then, late 90s, I mean, mid to late 90s, we had the Batman animated uh, series on TV on Doodarshan, which people still feel, and I agree, is the most def- definitive Batman uh, stories ever told. And that is when it struck, uh, struck me that, you know, uh, A, art style doesn't matter. That art style is so pretty. It, it is not... It doesn't look dark when you see it. Of course, it's it has that noir feel to it. Mm. But the characters are a lot more uh, uh, the way you draw them are a lot more rounder, or a lot more geometric than the very serious DC uh, anatomically correct uh, characters. But the darkness like you mentioned, you know, was more evident in the animated series. I think they got a chance to have you know, uh, to talk about all the characters in much more depth than any other platform that Batman had before that. Mm-hmm. Also, it has to do with the, you know, the, the reinvention of the graphic novels and the storylines in the Batman uh, mythos uh, after Dark Knight Returns, especially in uh, uh, 1986, where they completely changed Batman, <clears throat> the Batman comics, the Batman tone, after which things got darker. Mm-hmm. And from then on, I actually followed the character even more And I think uh, I I actually got my first... I got the Dark Knight Returns graphic novel when I was in class 7. You know, I found it. I mean, I found it at a bookshop and I pestered my mom to buy it for me. And I still remember back then, it was like 80 or 90 bucks. Uh, I'm talking about 94-ish, 94, 95. That's that's big money that time. It was pretty expensive, but I love the... You know, it, it wasn't like any of your comics it was a proper graphic novel and i'm reading it i'm thinking it is so violent batman looks like a big buffed up old man and it's so dark it's so different than the other uh comics you know batman comics had read and that slowly uh you know we we got the animated series on tv and i was like okay now it connects they want to change the entire i, I was a kid back then not that i would have so much of Uh, idea of what the writers must be thinking or what the creators must be thinking but I did realize that this is the Batman we need to follow as a storyline and it also gave us some great characters Harley Quinn by the way debuted in the animated series and now she is Mm -hmm. one of their I think at least in the movie universe she is one of their best aces uh, when it comes to you know spinning money so i yeah i agree batman animated series uh, a definitive b art style wise i learned a lot through it and growing up even now it's not aged a bit it still it still stands strong it doesn't feel like it's from some other era and uh, and c is that it defines batman even better so so yes i think most of my influences creating uh plots, subplots, or superheroes or something, I, I keep the animated series right on top.
0: Well, I will disagree on its aging in one specific bit. Like other things I agree with you that like it hasn't aged a bit in a lot of ways, especially like visually. Yeah, it does not look like it was created years ago. Yeah, it does look specific to an art style. But like, that's understandable. Right, right. But the hygiene related insults have not aged well.
1: <laughs> Meaning,
0: um, for example, <laughs> listen up, scum word is not a real thing, Batman <laughs> <laughs> says. I know it's a very specific nitpick, but it has an aged well.
1: <laughs> I, I I would take that any day over Bert Ward saying, holy, holy ravioli. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. you know, these things, but you know, I think uh, each of these stand for the era that we were, you know, we, we we've been exposed to, you know, it speaks a lot of that. Yeah, but I know the kind of, the kind of insults that they used to, I think, I think, yeah, that kind of speaks of the fact that it's from the nineties. But besides that, I think it's a very well, uh, it's still, it's still something that you can watch and uh, understand very well, even if technology has advanced, even if things have changed, they still had that very fifties um, uh, and sixties vibe to the architecture, the Gothic architecture. The car, I love the vehicles that they showed in it. You mm-hmm. know, especially, uh, uh, especially the the Batmobile. That that was one of my favorite Batmobiles. It's just like a very slender, long car, like a machine, and uh, it, that entire gothic feel is what I loved about it. Mm-hmm. And and of course that intro, that intro animation, that montage remains one of my favorite clips to watch. You know, where I'm I I do take a lot of workshops on uh storyboarding or comics or sequential art i do take this subject in a couple of colleges as well and i do keep referencing that introduction montage to show you know the students you know this is an introduction
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: this is how you introduce a character so well uh and in in the end it's just a silhouette which is you know uh, lit up by a lightning strike but it's so ominous mm-hmm. and yet that art style is not scary or intimidating it's smooth. It is, it's, it's, how do I put it? It's very, uh, it's very geometric is what I would say. Very yeah, unlike, very... We, yeah, very unlike your Watchmen. Very unlike, even now, you know, since we're talking graphic novels, like the boys, the boys graphic novels. is so mm-hmm. detailed. And here is Bruce Timm's version, you know, which is so simple, yet so strong. Just like rectangles lit up by shadows. Yeah. Is like, yes. thing.
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Correct. For sure. Correct.
1: Okay. Um,
0: uh, I I know I brought up these hygiene-related insults, but in contrast to that, one of the favorite things I have and something that helps me keep your comic book fresh, in particular, is the vocabulary of Maushi. <laughs> uh, <because> okay. <laughs> right on the front page, it says "Kaire Melia, Tuja Maila." <laughs> Quintessentially Maharashtrian. Yes. Yes. And like, yes. not just quintessentially Maharashtrian, frustrated Maharashtrian. Frustrated Maharashtrian, yes. I don't care where you're from, like, within Maharashtra. If you're frustrated, these words will come to your mouth <laughs> in like, some form. Yeah. And uh, I think, um, yeah, recently, last week only, I was on a podcast with uh, a few friends of mine from bad in Bollywood. <laughs> uh, and we basically what they do is they watch Bollywood movies and they just discuss how bad oh, yeah. they were.
1: The, the, the one you were talking about uh, Mohit Suri and Ashiki 2 and all these,
0: right? Yeah, that's,
1: that's sort of one. like
0: that's one of the things that they discussed on it. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> hilarious by the way.
0: <laughs> so so with, with that in mind we sort of were completely ready to like uh, besides this movie called Khaki. Yeah, yeah. Not Khaki, sorry. Kante. Kante.
1: Kante. Kante. The reservoir dogs of Of Bollywood,
0: (laughs) yeah, that's the one. That's the one. uh, I was expecting that. You know what? I am so ready to not be into any of this. I was completely ready to hate it. And you know what? We didn't find it as bad. Probably our standards were really low for a Bollywood movie at the time. Right. But if I watched that in 2003, I would be like, "That's pretty good." That. That's not bad at all.
1: Actually, yeah. In fact, when I was listening to that podcast, uh, I remembered a few... There was a question that y- y'all were talking about, You know, if there is a particular movie or a character y'all loved back then and you can't watch now. I remember a number of Akshay Kumar films, you know, back then when I was in school, uh, Mohara was such a huge deal, man. The movie Mohara, Tu Cheeseburgers. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, people just... Oh, kya, what action scenes? And Akshay Kumar and Sunil Chetty were like you know, <laughs> Batman v Superman, you know, uh, that level of uh, pitting against each other, two action stars and then Raveena Tandon and all this was, and even the action, we used to talk about this in school, like, you know, rent out the VCR, the, the cassette the previous evening uh, and watch it at home. Next day in school recess, may you talk about this, like probably our podcasts here or any of these YouTube review channels, we used to do that, that fight scene was so, uh, you know, sexy and all that. We used to say. Today, when, you know, I, I happened to watch that film some, you know, maybe couple of years ago. I was like, what the hell is happening here? There is no sense. There's no logic. But it was so cool back then. You know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. For some reason, I remembered Maura in that conversation. I thought I'll just bring that up as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: good enough. Uh, I just wanted to, like... <laughs> so, the reason I brought up Karte is because one of the things that really sold the movie to me is the way Sanjay Dutt used very Mumbai vocabulary in his yeah. Hindi. Yeah. Like, uh, for example, the word Dao, which was a very <laughs> aggressively <laughs> yeah. 2000s word
1: to yes, yes,
0: yes. refer to your yes. romantic interest.
1: Yes. Like, yes.
0: The same thing happens in your comic book, but on an infinitely better level, because, um, even though I, I would prefer Kande Pohe, the Batate Pohe sold me. I chuckled at that uh, same with the fact that you were, you were confident enough to put A.I. in the back of the book, which is a uh, Marathi yeah. for motherfucker for people who don't speak Marathi. Yeah. So how is it that you decide the vocabulary for a character like Angry Maushi in any other context as well? You can talk about fanboys if you want, because that has a very specific um, vocabulary you use as well. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh... Oh yeah, you you got an issue of fanboys as well, I guess. Uh, it was uh, there at the, was it there at the Pune Comic Con?
0: It was there, but I ended up buying only Angry Maoshi. Ah, okay.
1: Uh no. So fanboys is a very different. Uh, I mean, it's 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 it doesn't have a very specific city or a country. It's based out of. It's very <laughs> generic that way. Uh, even the names are very generic. J K and M and all that. Uh for Maoshi, I wanted to <laughs> do some method. Method acting based kind of method creation. So if she's like an angry moonbiker, uh, she will definitely speak the way she speaks. Also, it has to do with the fact that uh, you know in my school, you know we uh, there was Marathi medium and English mediums uh, you know, running simultaneously on the same floor. So our recess time we used to uh, you know hang out and you know speak. So they they used to they used to have very creative Marathi ex expletives. The kids back in my school days. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot there <laughs> from them, from conversations with them. Um, you, even one PT teacher of ours, and if if I may use the words here, I don't know. Uh, Go ahead. <laughs> one PT teacher of ours, okay? PT teachers, they're not usually, they're supposed to be like all strict and you know people are supposed to fear them and all that. But uh, <laughs> she saw some of the students just Climb up to some different uh, floor, and they would. She wanted to, them to come down, you know, to for the uh, uh, <laughs> whatever, the kabaddi the or the langdi or whatever that was happening. She's like, <laughs> And we are standing there. I'm probably in class eight or something. And that was, that was, uh, that hit me, man. I was like, uh, wow. This is like a no holds barred thing. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I love my school for these reasons. You know, it was not one of those hoity-toity. Oh my God, this is how we speak. But, uh, we weren't that. Uh, we were relatively like, uh, you know, like in Jojita, Oisikandar, you have <laughs> model college, Rajput college. So we are like that model college, you know, students. So we learned the street lingo, maybe we learned all that. So for me, you know, a lot of my Marathi shivya, uh, it goes back to my school days where my Marathi medium friends used to, you know, talk in particular, uh, describe particular things in a very, very creative, expletive, uh, uh, you know, loaded way. So Mm. I think I remember that. And most of these shivya that I put in my comics are probably a callback to that. You know, I'd say if this woman was there on the streets, she would not say, she'll probably go all out in Marathi and do it. Here's the fun part, when we go to the, you know, Bangalore Comic-Con or Delhi Comic-Con, we've even done Dubai and uh, Singapore Comic-Cons, <clears throat> people just flip through the book um, and when they just, just come across these words, they actually come up to me and say, uh, "Iska kya matlab hai? <laughs> You know, I, <laughs> and I, then I have a tough time explaining, uh, that's actually a bad word. No, but what does it mean? and that's when i really go educational with them that's where the educational part of this podcast also comes in where i start explaining to them who, you know roughly what it means so the usual one they ask me is uh, you know kai re melia tuja maila what does that mean and they, they they can't pronounce it the way right so yeah uh, you know so i'm like wait so that means I, I you know i just try to put like two three words together and say this is what it means but it really doesn't have any meaning, it's just a phrase that's used. Um, and somehow you know, Maushi has become popular even in non Marathi speaking cities. Uh, mm-hmm. not because you know, I mean, they might not understand the Marathiness of it, but probably because it's 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 very different, it's a very different take on the entire superhero scene. Maybe you know, she's not wearing spandex, she's not wearing, or uh, you know, these. Uh, objectifying female superhero clothes which I strongly am against the way they draw female superheroes in the uh, western comics at least till the early 2000s where they actually look like bikinis you know fighting crime Mm -hmm. in bikinis that's ridiculous so I think I think something about Maoshi has worked uh, besides the fact that yes it's, it's highly local but even the Marathi expletives they've caught up on yeah. A lot of times, uh, non-Marathi speaking cities where they get people, people come up to me and say, Hey, uh, and I'm like, <laughs> I hope he doesn't mean that to me. I, I hope he's just repeating something he likes from the comic, but yeah, it's picked up. So I think that lingo is pretty much based on things I've heard around me and my school, that, that school teacher, that PT teacher of mine, there was an epic, epic way of calling students. and I was like, wow, that's, that's education i I just wanted to add
0: a story to it. It's not as explicit, but it's pretty disgusting, so I'm gonna ask you to brace yourself and <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so this was a this was a saying I was introduced to in the seventh grade, which is to be honest, pretty late from in where I'm from, I went to school in a village
1: okay
0: uh, and I, I don't wanna dox myself, so I'm not gonna tell you which one <laughs> okay. but uh on the cricket field, there was this guy who was acting like uh, like he's the boss, he was the best player for the. <laughs> like the uh, district not district taluka team sure and um, he got yeah everybody was hyping him up and he got out on the first ball <laughs> and he, then the moment he got back uh, the dude who was his friend was like hagla and his other friend was like patar <laughs> for people who don't speak marathi he basically he got out and then they were like you shat it, no and he was like he shad diluted. Which doesn't sound as funny in English. It doesn't.
1: But... It, it does. Marathi, it's perfect. <laughs> and we, I... had a, we had another way of explaining how a, a tough paper was, you know, in the exams. Kadakpa Bhaji. Kadak and we used to wink. So that Patar obviously was something else Patar, not the bhaji, but. I know yeah. exactly what you mean, man. I mean, these are things that kind of shape <laughs> uh, our sense of humor, I guess, when it comes to the local lingo. Mm-hmm. And I've heard such ridiculous things, man. and there's the other guy, I Wow. I never I never I would never see life the same way ever again. <laughs> i have to recover from that um,
0: <laughs> like where do, where does a normal conversation go
1: Somewhere i am not in bestiality? <laughs> or the machitapoya <laughs> and uh, one
0: last thing that i have to discuss about this comic book is of course yeah. you brought it up uh, is the fact that it doesn't cater to the male gaze yeah uh, i i realize that that's a deliberate choice um I want to ask if, if that's a choice that you consistently made over through the comic books because you got tired of the trope, Mm -hmm. uh, or is that, is is it independent of the trope? Is it a response to the trope in general?
1: Not consciously, but it ended up that way. I didn't want to make a statement that I want to make a female superhero who's not objectified. I, I didn't consciously want to do that. But the way the story started building up and I said, you know what, she becomes like I said, a vigilante, uh, you know, an mm-hmm. Uh So I said, yeah, I mean, and for some very strange reason, even before before I consciously realized it, I had a lot of people asking me, you know, they have these quick uh, press releases before Comic-Cons and they you, you they ask the artist, you know, you're launching a comic book. Uh, so what were your thoughts, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And a lot of people themselves ask, you know, uh, this superhero of yours doesn't wear spandex. Is that, uh, is that your statement against objectifying the female superhero. And I thought to myself, yes, it, it worked that way. I mean, I didn't Mm -hmm. consciously want, I didn't consciously make her wear this because I wanted to go against that message, but I got encouraged by the fact that people are noticing it. And I got Mm -hmm. encouraged by the fact that it is working that way. She's a superhero, a heroine who breaks all the, uh, the, the typical stereotypes. Now, uh, uh, if you look at the 90s, Fantastic Four 90s, or early 2000s, Sue Storm was wearing literally like almost a two-piece bikini, and she had like four here on her chest, which was like an open hole. You know, you could see her cleavage. Mm-hmm. It was completely there to you know have sexualize the, the, the character. Yeah, yeah, sexualize the character. Have your male readers pick up the issues more. Uh, uh, Image Comics used to do a lot of that. They in fact had swimsuit specials. You know. Can you imagine a swimsuit special for a Marvel heroine's gallery where they're all wearing swimsuits, etc. Et and these are superheroines. They're supposed to fight crime. Mm. I also saw certain, uh, you know, people on the internet draw male superheroes wearing these <laughs> tight, uh, you know, beach shorts, you know, your, your beach wear and trying to fight crime. It looks ridiculous. So why should a woman look like that? So for me, mm. Angry Maushi definitely stands against that trope. Uh, and uh, it breaks that stereotype and uh, much before I could consciously do it and realize it. I'm glad that people saw it and they said that it's working this way. So that's, that's a good thing. So I was pretty happy that it worked whichever way it went. Not that, not that I, okay. I consciously tried it, but it, it worked out that way.
0: Cool. Uh, One last thing is, well, if you have anything that you want to plug or tell our audiences, this is your time. Completely uh, unprompted, (laughs) say whatever you want.
1: Awesome. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, Indian comics, there's there's a lot today to to explore, especially on the indie scene. Um, So uh, for us, kinestudios.com is where you can head. kinestudios.com slash comics. That's where we have the the, the hard copies of the comics as well as the e-comic versions of each uh, individual issue. The e-comics are listed at 50 bucks each. That's, that's really cheap. That's like half the price of the printed copy. And you can pay and download and read and support the indie scene because uh, we would love more and more people to read these comics and enjoy uh, what we have, what the stories we have to tell. So again, just to repeat, kinestudios.com slash comics is what I would want to plug in. And you can follow all the social media handles on the website that you'll see right on top.
0: Okay, and on my concluding thoughts, Navari Sadi OP.
1: So, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> all
0: right, that's all I have for you this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh, I'm sorry for the delay in delivering this episode, even though it was recorded a lot, lot, lot before it was released. And um, if you like the content and you're on YouTube watching this, please hit subscribe and leave a like. If you're not on YouTube and listening to this on Spotify or um, Google podcasts or one of those platforms where this podcast is available on, uh, please consider going to YouTube and subscribing to this channel. It really helps out a lot. If you really, really like the content that we're making, I have a Patreon link in the description, which you can uh, contribute to the podcast with. Uh, Did I make that sentence right? I hope so. Uh, If not, I'm just going to list it out, www.patreon.com slash deepfriedneurons. And you can support this podcast in whatever capacity you want. And that's it. Have a safe day. Bye.